everybody. Welcome to another episode of Wild 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 Will, Mark, Lily, and Eric here. We are in the year 2012. 12. 2012. It's been three or four years since Will Smith has been in a movie and he's coming back strong. Men in Black 3. They got the whole crew to, together. Spielberg producing. Um, Sodomin. 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 Um, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, my, my boy from Hollow Man. What the fuck's his name? Your boy from Hollow Man, Kevin Bacon. No, about Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Wasn't he in Hollow Man? <laughs> no, Kevin Bacon's. Oh, yeah. Josh Brolin is in Hollow Man. <gasps> Whoa, Mark, you're right. Okay, but also you're saying game you. back together. Josh Brolin <laughs> wasn't in any of the other ones. Yeah, but he's a young Tommy Lee Jones in this one. Dude, he is like very well cast as a young Tommy Lee Jones. And then oh uh, my God, he was in Hollow Man. <laughs> but he wasn't the Hollow Man. No. Hollow <laughs> Man. That's why you got me all confused. I'm like, why the fuck are you? He's got bacon on the brain. I honestly just read it off of it. (laughs) It said he was in Hollow Man. Um, And then um, no real ladies in this one. Who do we got? We got uh, Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concord. Jermaine as Boris. Boris. Love him. Generally speaking. Boris the Animal. Boris the Animal as the main bad guy in Men in Black 3. And they wrap up the trilogy in this one with a nice bow on the dick. Uh, they, do they wrap it up? They do not wrap yeah, 100% it up. Wrap it Ladies, up. they got Emma Thompson plays oh, yeah, Agent yeah. O, but then Alice Eve plays young Agent O. Just had to give a shout out to the ladies. The lady, the lady <laughs> for your like four lines. Woo-woo. I would say that this oh, 100% you know wraps up the trilogy, the Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. Will Smith trilogy of Men in Black. I don't think it wraps it up any more than the other two do because, like, it literally just ends where they can just go right back out and have another adventure. Like, one of them had Tommy Lee Jones retire. I mean, this, I mean, look, we're gonna get into it, but this, this wraps it up as in their relationship, it like gives oh, you man. clarification and meaning oh, to the man. relationship. What? What's wrong? Tears. Tears. That was an emotional. That was an tears of boredom. That was so emotional. Um. So I think this movie it was like it it was two hundred plus million to make, and I think it made six something worldwide. Six sixty. It was two hundred twenty five million to make, and it made six hundred and twenty four million. It was a banger. Yeah, it did pretty good. Memorial Day weekend. That budget's fucking insane. Yeah, it all went to Will Smith's trailer. Yeah, yeah, probably. This this movie was just um just filled with I don't know like bad like a bad production. It was a bad filming, that, a bad production for that budget. You would have expected um like a more <laughs> sweeping scenery you know what i mean where you're like i feel like i'm all over the galaxy or all over the globe and no it's just still the same old city backdrop well that budget all went to will smith i know I'm just this. that budget also is with uh like a 40 million dollar tax break from new york state from new york state 
And this, so I'm sure we got to stop giving tax breaks to these movies. I, I don't know what I don't know what movie you guys watch. I saw all that mo- money on screen. I'm like, dang, movies don't even look like this nowadays. So how does this look so <laughs> like state of the art? I wasn't. I, I didn't think it looked bad. But I this is what I, I just want. So building, I was like, holy shit, that's okay. That was a dope scene. But the the whole thing with this movie that like for the production was that this movie was started filming before the script was done. Oh, and, and they put it's not unusual, by the way. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. This that, part's unusual. OK, oh, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> I was just about to say, like, I, I'm going to say, which is, is probably crazy. Ninety percent of like big budget movies that you're seeing in theaters. Nine out of ten movies you're seeing are going in with an incompleted script. And but like, what are we it. calling incomplete? Like ninety percent, eighty percent. Are you saying like most movies are going in like thirty percent? I'm talking. They're going in and like, well, we'll figure out the ending. And screenwriters on set like changing stuff. Like they'll have the screenwriters there day of. Like, what's the scenes today? Let's figure this out. That they, genuinely depresses me. And it, the reason why is because they set premiere dates they go okay uh we got a new superman movie it's going to come out the uh, may of 2024 and so now they're locked in so it's like when they so now you're just like how do we get to that date oh shit we need to start filming on this day but we're still trying to figure out what the fuck this story is about so the reason way way too much the reason that this one started without a finished script and they didn't really want to start that way, but they wanted to start because they didn't want Will Smith to disappear to another project. Mm. So they're like, okay, we got to get started. So Will Smith will be in this bad boy. They built into it a purposeful hiatus. They were like, we will be taking a months long hiatus to finish the script. And they split the filming into two sections because they wanted this tax break that New York state was putting out for like, tens of millions of dollars and they were worried that it was going to disappear and they put it off for too long and they started filming in the next year that this tens of millions of dollar tax breaks would be gone but the thing is not that they'd be able to know this new york state ended up extending that tax break for another five years so they would have gotten that tax break with or without the hiatus but the hiatus was built in there purposely just for the tax break and to make sure that they secured will smith and then they had like seven different writers finally finish this bitch you know what's like depressing is that you're dropping 225 million dollars and you're like rushing shit you're like oh i don't want to miss that tax break it's like one you shouldn't get a tax break two that's fucking insane like when you're talking that many millions of dollars like i get 40 million dollars is like a fuck ton of money but when you're in the 200 million dollar range like i think there are other places you can fucking cut budget like that's insane to me um i feel like there's another word that's not depressing that like i know you're saying that's depressing i think we need to find a better word it's it's like um because the notion is we're assuming that most big budget movies are products like yes there's artistry to it there's art there's people playing whatever 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 you would say but it's more product than art right if you're on a sliding scale so the notion that they're going in with like an incomplete script the notion that they're just trying to hit premiere dates the notion that they're just trying to make sure they can fit people into the schedule it's not depressing it's it's just like oh yeah that's like how you make a mcdonald's hamburger it's a it's like uh 
the process. It's like a cynical way of making movies. You're not going like, oh, I want to make this p- piece of art. You're you're like, I want to make this product. Profit. So you know what I mean? And yeah, you, I want to make this profit and this like th- through this thing. So it's just kind of like a a cynical way of doing it. Just like, yeah, sure, we're gonna have the hiatus, but I mean, does that really matter? We got to make sure that we have Will Smith. We got to make sure that we can save fifty million here. The toys you know out that the video games release at these things, but but isn't that the same? Like tr- I'm trying to equate it to something else. If there's some corporation that needs to get out a new shoe or get out something new, and they have a deadline. I they think needed, they just needed to get in the store ASAP and they'll throw as much money at it until it figures itself out. Whereas this in that sliding scale of like artistry, then on the opposite side is the person who like really took their time and made the script as best as possible. And they cast the right people and they shot exactly how they want and they released it because yeah, it's just, it's, that's what it is. It's a corporation. It's. I think yeah. the thing that like depresses me is like, that has to be like not a fun work environment for like the lowly people. Like if I was like a screenwriter, I don't think like I would like to be able to like, you know, have like a lot of it and then like tweak on set. But like that's got to be very um pressurized to like be like, we don't even know where this is ending and they're already starting to film. And like, you're just trying to write shit on the fly and you got to be like, this is not my best or I could do better. I feel like just for like the, the workers, you know what I mean? Cause like, they're not the ones setting that timeline. That's like a big studio thing being like, we want to make money. We don't necessarily care about like people's quality on set or, you know, but, the product. Every- but it's like, I don't know. I just feel like it just fe- like, it makes, it gives me like, Ashna just like thinking about like, if you had to start working on something that you're only 30% done with, it'd just be like, Oh no. Oh no. Wow. Like, I just feel so anxious about that. I, I guess the other thing too, and I'm not going to say like every single big budget movie is this cynical because I'm sure there's ones where it's like, wow, this is a big budget movie put out by Disney, but people actually put craft and time and care into it. If you're being hired to write men in black three, and they're rushing into production, but they're throwing enough money at you that you and your family's mortgage is good for the next five years. It's a job at the end of the day. So I think it's the it's the same thing any mm-hmm. artist does, where it's like, oh, this movie's my thing that's going to pay off my mortgage, and then the next movie I do is going to be like my personal thing that I want a small intimate thing or whatever. It's what Christopher Nolan does all the time, where it's like, all right, I'll do a Batman movie because later I want to do Inception, or later I want to do my weird Dunkirk or whatever, like. I don't know why I said weird Dunkirk. <laughs> <It's boring. laughs> yeah, <it's pretty> <laughs> or also why you said like, fine, I'll you know do that really happened, Batman. right? I'll do yeah. Batman. That weird Dunkirk. The, yeah. the, that weird <laughs> fake fantasy Dunkirk. The, the dream movie Dunkirk. <laughs> but uh, but that uh, that's my assumption. And not saying it can't be frustrating, but I'm assuming everyone actors and behind the talent, like, in front of the camera and behind the camera are kind of like, yeah, we're getting fucking pretty good money for this. So like, yeah, it's maybe not. And again, I'm not suggesting everyone's that cold on set of Men in Black 3. But if you have to justify where you're like, oh, my God, I only got 30% of the script. But holy shit, they keep throwing money at me and I can be there on set every day trying to finish this. All right. I'm not. Okay, but let's be honest. The quality suffered. 
Well, sh- should I go through the plot yeah, of this movie? I'm going to try my darndest because they, they brought in fucking time travel into this one, which is going to make it rough. But I mean, good time travel movies have massive holes in them just because of the nature hard. of time travel. Yeah. This this not well thought out time travel movie definitely has some holes in there. It's just confusion. I was more mostly just confused. And I read up on it. I was like, I got to regurgitate the plot of this thing. I read up on it more and it made me more confused. <laughs> so okay. I'm going to do my darn this we'll here. We'll try and help you. Men in Black 3, we got Will Smith, Agent J. We got Tommy Lee Jones, Agent K. We are in present time so that would be the year 2012 um and there is a bad guy who's in solitary confinement on the moon his name is boris the animal but he doesn't like being called the animal he just likes being called boris and he's in human form even on the moon when he's in solitary confinement and he's got he's played by jermaine clement from flight of the concords and he's got like a little pet like scorpion thing that he can shoot out of his hands and that's his main weapon there and um he also is missing an arm and he's been missing he's been in jail for like 40 or 50 years or 40 40 years years. ever since agent k tommy lee jones put him in jail back in the day on the moon and took his arm and he's pretty pissed and been stewing about Agent K taking his arm. He's mad at Tommy Lee Jones. So some um some rockabilly chick with a cake comes to do like a visit on the moon. Pussycat doll girl, Nicole Scherzinger. She goes to visit him. She ends up dying during this whole thing. Um, and gets him basically helps him bust out of out of the the moon prison. And he busts out of there and he's coming back to Earth to get his revenge um back in the day in the 60s the the reason there was any fight is basically like any bad guy in a men in black movie like his people were trying to take over the earth they are basically a planet killing type of alien and and in the 60s they're going from planet to planet killing them and they're going to come to the earth um to, to kill the planet didn't end up happening because they have this thing called like ArcNet. It's like a bunch of satellites that like put a shield over the earth and ended up starving out all of his people, his species. So they're like Alderaan. They're fucking gone except for him. He's the last one. He's Princess Leia. Okay. And um, that's kind of what the or- original fight was in the 60s that where he lost his arm. So he comes back to kill Tommy Lee Jones ends but what do you mean by comes back comes back to earth he yep, goes back to earth is it he wants to kill tommy lee jones but he doesn't want to do it in the present day he's going to go in, back in time and do it in the he past wants to go back in time before he lost his arm yeah and he gets like a time machine thing oh he wants his arm back he gets his arm back and he goes back in time to go kill tommy lee jones back in the day tommy lee jones disappears from the current timeline in 2012 leaving will smith Agent J without a partner and in a new timeline where nobody knows who or no, people know who Tommy Lee Jones is, but his character died in the 60s. And that's yeah. how he's known. And now so Will Smith, Agent J has to go back in time and set it all straight uh, because not only is Tommy Lee Jones gone, but now the Earth is going to explode because those aliens didn't get wiped out and we no longer have the Arknet system around our planet because of this new shift in the timeline. 
Oh, fuck. So <laughs> Agent J has to he goes back in time mm-hmm. and he finds young Tommy Lee Jones, young Agent K played by what's his dick? Josh Brolin. Josh does not look 29. Just throwing they made a there. joke about it, they though. Did. They did. He does a pretty good Tommy Lee Jones impression, oh, though. He really did. A, he did a pretty good job yeah, being really young good. Tommy Lee Jones. I wasn't. I wasn't upset by that. That was good. That was a good A plus for the casting director. Like that was yeah. very well done. So now they're together. Young Tommy Lee Jones and 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 Will Smith, Agent K and Agent J are back together in the you know 1969, and they have to not only stop Boris. There's two Borises at this point. There's 69 Boris, and there's one from 2012 that came back in time. They have to stop him from killing young Tommy Lee Jones, young yep. Agent K. Um, but they also have to stop him from from getting was, his hands on the Arknet. Yeah, there's another alien there played by some short guy. It's called Griffin. like it's. I think the actual alien's called like an Arcus something. Yeah. And this is an alien that can see all timelines all at the same time and all that shit. And he's always commenting about all the timelines. And he's the one that has the Arcanet technology that gives it to the humans to save their planet. Um, So Boris is going after him. Boris is going after young Agent K in order to get the Arcanet system up into the atmosphere. They have to put it on the first Apollo mission up to the moon. So that has to happen at some point. And they're also have to stop both Boris's. And this time they want to actually kill him instead of just maiming him, because obviously just the getting rid of his arm caused this time loop bullshit that he's going to end up destroying the earth anyway. So they have to kill him this time. They're successful at it. They end up killing him. They end up getting the Arknet thing back on the ship. And, and and up into the sky and the atmosphere and stuff. So they're they're successful in all of that. Also, there's some general that's there that's hanging out for a bit. Boris kills this general, and it ends up being Will Smith's dad. Yo, what a curveball yeah. of like a Z side plot. And then you also get so now young Agent K, young Tommy Lee Jones, sort of the they imply not maybe not raises, but is watching over young Will Smith because mm-hmm. his dad died. Yeah. So he's always been apparently, which is like why it's you discover it's like why he recruited him yes. and why he wanted to be partners with him. And it's why he's, yeah, I don't know, just like the way he is and standoffish and closed off because he has this big secret where it's just like, I feel semi responsible for killing your father. Sure. And then Will Smith feels like he gets a better understanding of his partner in crime, Agent K. And he goes back to the original timeline. Tommy Lee Jones is back. The Earth is saved. Boris is dead. And now these two have a better understanding of each other. At least Will Smith's character has a better understanding of Tommy Lee Jones. The perfect end to a perfect trilogy. Wow. That. I fucking hate time travel movies. Just like that was a rough one. Such a mind warp sometimes. I saw this movie. I saw this movie in theaters. Really? It's it's kind of fucking with me. I know it's 10 years ago in 3D. Yeah, in 3D. Oh, really? 
Yeah. And the 3D was fucking awesome. And I think I said this on maybe the first Men in Black podcast we did, or maybe the second one, but Barry Sonnenfeld felt like his 3D in Men in Black 3 was better than Avatar. But because he felt like Avatar, what James Cameron's going for is the immersion, not things Mm -hmm. flying out at you, but you're just like immersed into a world that's like Mm -hmm. surrounding you. Whereas Barry Sonfield's like, no, I want shit flying out at you. Like, I want all the spectacle that comes with like 3D and the chaos of it. Um, But I didn't remember this ending. I'll say that. I do not remember that the the whole twist. And so I'll say that it got to me, man. It got to you. It pulls on the fucking heartstrings. Are you being honest? I have no idea. Oh, I'm being 100% honest. And that's why I I know. I don't know if Mark's being sarcastic, but I, I felt like it was such a beautiful ending where it's just like, oh my God, like they had that emotional moment at the diner. Like they weren't making jokes. It was all drama. It was just like, I, hey, I, I did like some of that stuff. I did like the going back in time and getting a better understanding of your partner. And it, I mean, it's bizarre. And I don't even want to think about it timeline wise of him, like half raising him as a kid. Or watching over him. Like, I don't want to even fucking try to see if the math works out or any of that stuff. But I was fine with all that emotionally. It's just a lot of the other stuff. I was just like, I think that stuff was good. I think where they fucked up was not like intertwining it more. Like, I know in the movie, he made a few jokes about how he didn't know who his dad was. And like they've been in some of the other movies. But that really was like at the last split second. I'm like, holy shit, it's his dad. Where it's just like, I don't know. They could have done a better job, like foreshadowing or like, you know, Will Smith coming like, oh shit. I think like my dad could be here. It's like 1969. Like, I don't know. Like he didn't even like process like, oh, I was alive at that time. Like I should, you know, I don't know. I liked it. It could have been sooner. I'm not going to say whether it's successful or not. Like, obviously, it seems like it didn't work for you guys. What I will say is my thought process to probably why they didn't hint at it too much is because the whole movie, the red herring is just like, oh, we're discovering Tommy Lee Jones. So you would never in your mind ever think we're going to come across any Will Smith information. It's just like, oh, this is all about Tommy Lee Jones past. So that was probably their thought process that if they allude to it too much beyond the watch, mm-hmm. then you're going to start going, wait a second. Or couldn't it his just family? be that they hadn't written it yet? That could be too. You know what I was thinking though, in a brilliant move, and I'm not saying they had this plan since the first movie. I think, Something happened in the first movie that allowed them to do this. And it's something we actually talked about on the first podcast. When in the first movie, we applauded that Will Smith doesn't have any familial ties, doesn't have any friends, doesn't have a girlfriend. There's not the scene where he's like getting chewed out by the girlfriend. There's not the scene where he's taking care of the mother. There's not the scene where it's like, oh, he's going to family dinner or something like that. Because we recognize that when you become men in black, like your identity is a race and it'd be way too fucking bleak to just be like, wait, we just read his fucking whole family and now he can't like <laughs> talk to them. Instead, they're just like, it's cleaner if we don't show like what his ties are to anything. Mm-hmm. And then he can just become a men in black and we're cool with it. Whereas Tommy Lee Jones in the first one, he's the one with the, you know, the, the wife or whatever that he used to be with, who he can't be with anymore. 
So serendipity, what's the word? Serendipitously? Yeah, yeah. They in this one, it was just like, oh, cool. Now, because we have no information on that, then they can plug it in. And whether it's half-assed at the end, whatever, but it's cool that they have that on the table, that they didn't set up anything in the first way where you're like, oh, we can't touch that because it wouldn't make sense. I think I I like a lot of, of the stuff in this movie. I thought this movie this was better than the second Men in Black. 100%. I liked ha- I liked having a Will Smith in there where his game was not that I'm a grumpy boy. I'm a grumpy boy looking for a new partner. I hated that in Men in Black too. I like that Will Smith is back to being the guy going. All these people are fucking crazy. Like all the men, you know, the Men in Black people. He's just like these people are weird. Tommy Lee Jones, you're weird. Like I, mm. I liked Will Smith being back at at, at that like character trait. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I enjoy, I enjoyed it. I think this movie, I enjoyed that part of it. I'm fine with the time travel stuff, but I think where Men in, the first Men in Black was really good was like. I think we just mentioned just how simple of a story it was, mm. like how clean of a story it was and how simple everybody's motivations were, you know, just like the bug just wants to get this gem and get the fuck off of Earth, get, you know, get the get Orion's belt and get off, get off Earth. And I think that this one, especially introducing the time travel stuff, I needed like like I needed it to be more simple. Like the fact that there was two Borises and then there's that weird alien that can see all the different. I liked him. I like he was fine, but it was just adding so much to it where I was just like, I'm just kind of confused as to what's going on, what they need to do to be successful Mm. and to finish this movie. You know, I think what we talked about in the first men in black, and I think it's really hard. I think it might be like crazy say, but I think the first men in black is like a near flawless movie. Mm. like that shit had we said it it had no fat on it It had a banging soundtrack everything about it was furthering the plot like it just it is just like an a plus movie if you want to make a comedy watch it it's just like a genuinely flawless movie it had like a lot of the good um creep out factors with their aliens like you know the main guy is so oh, great in it yeah like he's so great in it um and i think it's just hard it's hard to like recreate that because you know this one it does have fat on it you know and not that it's bad but it's just so hard when you you make a flawless movie to make sequels off of it and can i say something maybe controversial it is i think it's i'll say this more in the first half of the movie than the back half of the movie I think Will Smith kind of outacted Men in Black. Like he was almost too good of an actor in some scenes where I was like, you got to play like you almost you can't be like an Oscar worthy actor sometimes in a comedy because it's just like you're supposed to be making me laugh, not like kind of like hitting me like, oh, fuck, like hitting me like a little hard with like his nuanced faces that especially the beginning of the movie. I was just like, I think. He might be now too good of an actor for this series. He had that mustache. Mm, there's that. He, he was looking. This is the first movie where I was like, oh, he's looking old. Yes. I mean, that first man black was 98, 97. Yeah. 98, whatever. I mean, 15 years, I think, since the first man in black. Mm-hmm. This one came out. Um, um I. All right, you go ahead. Go ahead. All I'm going to say is I think I'm coming off way more positive on this based on Men in Black 2. Men in Black 2 Mm. felt 
Men in Black 2 felt like the movie that they had 20% of the script on and they were figuring it out on the fly. We talked a lot about, about it a lot, but like they don't really give Lara Flynn Boyle anything to do, the villain in that one. So yeah. she felt kind of wasted. Like they couldn't figure out like a good angle for that. There was the whole Johnny Knoxville stuff. And it was, it was a lot. That film felt messy. This film to me, Boris the Animal's a way better villain than in the Oh, Jermaine's awesome. Jermaine's so, great. It's such a fun character. That whole opening prison sequence with the cake, like that was fun, inventive. It felt very like Looney Tunes. I, I really enjoyed it. And I enjoy how it's shot. I enjoyed how it's filmed. To me, I don't think this is like a recommendation kind of movie where it's like, yo, you have you seen a Man in Black 3? It's so underrated. But mm. it's constantly operating at like 75%. Is that a C plus? What is 75%? Yeah, it's like a, a C plus. Where there's some movies where it's just like, oh my God, this part's like F minus. Oh, mm. this part's like A plus this. Yeah. Like none of the jokes in this are really landing. But nothing so fucking like dog shit that you're like, wow, this just dropped off. It's just consistently 75 percent, which mm-hmm. sadly just made me go like, oh, this is an upgrade to Men in Black 2. Because I think <laughs> Men in Black 2 was just so up and down where you're like, whoa, what the fuck is going on with this movie? This this has been more of a conversation since uh, the new Avatar is going to be coming out, right? Yeah. The new Avatar movie. But the idea of like, massive movies so this was pretty you know made 600 million 620 million worldwide massive movies that don't have any cultural impact mm-hmm. like people point to avatar a lot of the times and i don't know if it's all fair or all true but that you know you point to star wars you're like that had massive cultural impact right star yeah. trek massive um, avengers movies batman movies those had massive cultural impact and you point at avatar and you're like how does this not have massive cultural impact like it was a you know, the biggest movie ever right yeah mm-hmm. and i feel that's how i kind of feel about this movie and maybe it's just because i never saw it like this is, i think this is the first time i saw it but like i've never even seen a clip a meme maybe that one fish in the chinese restaurant a blobfish i mean that's a real fish you know i know but that that specific one maybe i've seen that somewhere in a meme or something like mm-hmm. that mm. but like legit like it felt like this movie had like i felt like men in black 2 had more of a cultural impact like johnny Johnny had and stuff and whereas this one like i feel like it just disappeared into the ether of of culture and movies well here i I think because you have the first one flawless iconic like so quotable you've got the song second one comes out people are fucking hyped up because that first one like we're all singing the song still like it's a look it's a vibe someone comes out and you're like this is a gigantic piece of shit so it sticks with you a little bit more because you were just so excited to see it and it it wasn't even just like mediocre it was just like not good and then it's kind of a while till the third one comes out like you know, like you're not close enough where people still have like the hype. You've got the bad taste in your mouth from Men in Black 2. And this one comes and it's just fine. I would so there's no he doesn't do a song for this one. It's the first one he doesn't do a song to. It's the first one where there's a lot of missing characters like the pug and David Cross. And so I just feel like, you know what I mean? Like it's What's this? it's e- like because it's just it's in between the first and the second. It's like you just forget about it a little bit. It's, it's just, well, but then 
the, but then there's like Avatar, which made billion dollars and whatever the fuck. And for the longest time, I feel like it didn't have a massive cultural impact like that. Like nobody would really give a shit about Avatar toys because it had no fucking plot. Yes, it what? <laughs> it you know what? You know, I was just thinking this with the Avatar movie, because you're right. It doesn't have cultural significance where it's like you see people walk around with like Batman T-shirts, right? Or Star Wars T-shirts. Even people who are not huge Star Wars fans, it's like they'll rock like a Star Walmart Wars. Walmart has them. Like, right. People know. know the names of the characters in Star Wars movie. People do not know the names <laughs> of the characters in Avatar. Jake Sully. Um, but, uh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, but like people will wear like um, the Rebel Alliance, like, is insignia on their shirt but they're like not, they're like casual casual fans like so yeah you're right avatar doesn't have that but avatar's lasting legacy is conversations about why was it the biggest food like is that it's like cultural mainstay is us in this podcast I mean, and people being like what is the significance of this movie maybe that's its significance it's, we're still wondering what the fuck it is it's a tough movie because i i always feel like i have a bad taste in my mouth from avatar but I will just watch. I wa- if it's on, I'm watching the whole thing. I've honestly, I will watch it. Never watched more than thirty minutes since I saw it in theaters. Oh, it, it's not bad. Okay, but do you remember like back in the day when IMAX first came out, and they would just release shit to IMAX, and it was like specifically only made for IMAX, and it was just like lions in the jungle. Penguins. Yeah, like a dinosaur movie or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. all Avatar was. Avatar is just like, <laughs> let me no, listen, let me show you how fucking good I can make something look on IMAX. Let me show you how fucking pretty I can make something in 3D. I think the lasting legacy of Avatar, listen, the plot is generic. It's not like anything to write home about but i feel like the significance of avatar is just the visuals of it just like the landscape that he was able to create and the immersion he was able to create and it's like it's a pretty movie that you are meant to primarily only watch on an imax screen it's just odd because james cameron has come out with movies where it's like like the terminator stuff and i think he wanted to make a movie that he thought was like really pretty to be honest with you i think he wanted to like play with the medium for himself and be like, how gorgeous can I make this? So adding to the avatar conversation, we were just talking about like scripts going to development, 30% corporate soulless, whatever. It's more about turn. It's a product turning a profit, all that funny enough avatar. I think casual people could look at that as like, oh, this was something like designed to make money. And that is so far from the truth, which makes it 10 times more fascinating. That was the project that mm-hmm. was written over 20 years. That was the project that they incubated and tried to figure out how do we make the CGI? That was, I mean, it's James Cameron, who's just like an auteur, but that is like the big budget movie where it's like this guy, blood, sweat, and tear, tears, like, they filmed it and it took like five years to like fucking figure out all the CGI to finally get to theaters. There's so much rumblings about it. Same with this new one. Avatar came out in fucking 2009. And now we're finally getting a sequel because he spent 12 years or whatever it was developing the script, figuring out what's the best way to do a sequel. Let's get the technology to advance on far enough that it will be as like spellbinding as the first one. So it is hilarious that it's just like, oh, that is the other version of something mm. that like, 
corporate. It's like this thing that's designed. I don't even know if it's designed to make money. Do you really think he thought Avatar was going to make fucking money? And everyone was rooting against him. It ended up being the biggest. Everyone's rooting against the new one, too, where they're just like, how is this even going to fucking make money? And I guarantee you. It'll make a ton. I'll make a fuck ton. It's going to make two billion dollars in China, like alone. Right. A movie called Avatar The Way of Water is going to be the highest grossing film of all time. And this is a guy, again, who's just like spending all that fucking time it, in the dirt. I, are you um, going to go see it, Eric? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to see it opening night. So what's I, your draw? Why do you guys want to see it? Just for like the oddity of it? James, to like go and see it? how I'm going to put it. And I hate to bring my musical taste into this. I'm not saying this is my favorite band. Not even close. But anytime, doesn't matter which album it is, doesn't matter which song, anytime I toss on a Coheed and Cambria song, mm. I'm like, I'm in good hands. Mm. Like, this is going to be just a solid song. Like, even if it's like, mm. it, they're going to hit a B plus, And if I'm lucky, we're going to get into A territory. Oh. Okay. I feel that way with James Cameron. I'm like, I don't think he's not my favorite. And like, other than maybe like Judgment Day, like Terminator 2. I'm not like, oh, I love James Cameron's movies, but like, I'm, I feel like I'm in some strong hands right there. Those are some strong hands. And I don't think he's going to fucking slip. I don't think he's going to mess up. That's I'm, like one of the more compelling arguments I think you've made in our for, life for together. Period. No, just like on any topic, like I feel like that was like the most persuasive and like where I'm just like, I followed every beat of that where I was just like, Damn, that is airtight logic. Yeah, nice drop in of a Coheed and Cambria. Here's the thing. Uh, I kind of feel that way about Under Oath. Here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Uh, He's not wrong. He's not wrong. (laughs) I I think I go to these movies for what a lot of people disdain about the Avatar and what James Cameron's doing. I do want to see the innovation. Let me rephrase that because people do want to see the 3D and how good the graphics are, but he's doing that weird 500 frames per second, ultra HD, weird. He's doing so much weird imagery. And it's the thing that people come on movies and go like, that looks like a soap opera. It's like the frame rate's way too high. They did it with the Hobbit movies and people are like, this just looks bad. I can see the makeup on their face because you're giving me too much digital information. I'm here for it. Because it's so, what's the word that um, it doesn't happen all the time. Mm. It, just imagine if like all you got was high frame rate and then someone's like, here's a 35 millimeter film at 24 frames per second. You'd be like, what the fuck is this? It's stuttering. It looks weird. But no, we're all used to 24 frames per second. So when you see 500 frames per second or whatever. <laughs> it's like overwhelming thing, just like hearing you say that out loud. <laughs> right. Like whatever insane thing he's doing, 12K, 500 frames per second, H, ultra HDR, whatever. People are going to be like, this just looks wrong because we're so used to the other way. And I'm there because I'm like, yes, let's get diversity in like technology. It's a new kind of paint. It's a new paintbrush. I want to see how fucking bizarre it is. And I need it in my eyeballs right now. My God, Eric, personal question. How hard are you right now? <laughs> Dude, I am. Uh, <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what movie. <laughs> I just said I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what movie I recently watched or read about that they were saying that like 
there's like just one shot of it that it took like eight months to render. Holy shit. It was like a planet shot or something. Oh God, I wish I could fucking remember. It wasn't Moonfall, was it? God, I hope <laughs> yeah, God. right. I, I, maybe we already talked about this, but literally, I haven't turned off a movie in so long. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot to turn a movie Moonfall. off. Moonfall. Oh my God. And what then, made you guys turn it off? Was it boring or was it just kind of nonsense? It was both. It was yeah. just a combination of both. We're just like, what are we doing with our lives? And there was like so much left. And it's just like, Neither of us well, care. Eric, were you around when when uh, mom told me the ending? Uh, it's it, you say it again. <laughs> She's telling me. Well, because like we turned it off halfway through. And the whole thing is like whether the moon is like hollow and like a ship, basically with aliens in, inside. And she says the moon, <laughs> the moon comes towards the earth. It's getting closer and closer. It's falling towards the earth. And then she says it scrapes some buildings and then it just disappears. Like, we don't have a moon anymore. <laughs> I don't think the Earth would work, right? Yeah, the Earth would... W- there would be no more life on Earth without the moon. Yeah, like, it controls, like, the tides. Yeah, stuff. and the tilt of the Earth. Like, you just... Yeah, I just but it just fucking leaves. I don't know, man. What a stupid fucking movie. You know, like, I've watched San Andreas and not turned it off. Moonfall we turned off. So you do with that information what you will, humans of the world. Um, okay, here's the thing. I feel like we should get back to talking to, about oh, Men yeah. in Black. About Avatar? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can I oh, oh it was interstellar. The black hole was so scientifically accurate that oh like, yeah, every minute took a hundred hours to render because they were doing like like real physics of the black hole. Oh my that's God. Sorry, I brought that up, but that's, I mean, a- that is a good one though. That is a good one. There's one that does like time travel. Well, but it was just Ooh. like an image of the black hole took hundreds and hundreds of hours to render. And it just took months. Okay. Talk about a room of just like hard nerds. They are probably like loving every fucking minute. Yeah. We're going to get this black hole. Correct. Oh. Um, sorry. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of dicks on the brain tonight. Um, okay, we we should get back to talking about Men in Black. I want to bring up because I know Mark and I have seemed very like lukewarm on this. I want to bring up a scene that I thought was like really genuinely good in this movie. That I was just like, this is a fantastic scene. In the beginning of the movie, they go to like a Chinese restaurant because they hear that the guy there is serving not kosher like things. alien food or something. He's serving alien. and that fight scene is great like that entire fight scene they quickly figure out how to get old ass tommy lee jones out of it they leave it to will you've it's very uh western like gunslinging over the bar top oh we gotta save the damsel oh she's a fucking piece of shit too we're going through windows he's letting an alien eat his legs but like shoving a tray in there so it can't crush him while he's trying to get away and honestly for the amount of cgi they had to do in that i thought it looked really good like i thought that was a one of the better fight scenes that i've seen 
period. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely better than any fucking Marvel fight scene that I've ever witnessed where I could barely understand what's happening. Yeah, very. um, It looked good. Very like like it's that fun, like Jackie Chan shit. Yeah. Funny hand to hand combat with props. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and like you've got just everything in it. It's very clean. And again, this goes to Barry Sonnenfeld, which all these crossovers are happening in my brain right now because Barry Sonnenfeld he used to be the director of photography for the Coen brothers. Coen brothers famously directed No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men famously has Tommy Lee Jones and Josh Brolin. They're both in this film. And then the guy who can perceive time and all that, he came from that movie, A Serious Man, which was directed by the Coens. And that's where Barry Sonnenfeld saw him was like, oh, we should get him for Men in Black 3. That was 2009. So it's just like there's a lot of like cool crossover of all these people. But again, Barry Sonnenfeld, DP, just like the first one, he's all about economic visual storytelling. Like how much can we cram in a scene without overdoing it? And so he knows how to shoot things very cleanly. And Again, I know this movie is working at like a 75% the entire time, but there's so much imagination on display, like how the time travel works, like jumping off the building or that restaurant fight scene, or even when they go back in time and it's like, there's the Coney Island and here's Andy Warhol and all these aliens. Oh yeah, give me like, that. So bizarro. Which <laughs> funny more Bill Hader. Get more Bill Hader. And this is why Bill Hader is fucking funny is because in this movie, Maybe he's improving. I'm assuming he's doing the dialogue as is because it didn't seem like he was actually throwing out any like curveballs that was like, oh, that doesn't seem like a line from, but that was funny. It seems like he's doing the dialogue, but he knows how to still deliver lines and make them funny where I think other people, it's like, oh, that was a little cringy. Uh, that comedy didn't really land. It's like, oh, Bill Hader's just like naturally funny and knows how to be funny in scenes. Yeah. Like Bill Hader's just like epically hilarious. I mean, if anything, seeing Bill Hader was just like, yeah, like I want that men in black. Like I like I feel like I missed some of the comedy in this one. Like, yeah, there's not much comedy. Like Will Smith's got some like funny shit in it. But for the most part, like again, I feel like he almost outacted this movie where he doesn't have as much as like that, like fun, laid back vibe. Like, you know, he's got like an intensity in every scene that I'm just like, are you too good for the genre now? Yeah. I think, I think what I, what, what made this one, like, I, 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 like, I don't think Lily and I hated this movie. I think we're more in line with what you're saying, where this is a C all the way through. But what I, what I figured I, uh, out from this movie that I want to see, cause like the second one was such a failure is I want to see, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith together. Mm-hmm. And what's his dick did an okay playing Agent K, but I want to see Tommy Lee Jones doing it type of a thing. And I noticed I want to see it's almost like a Batman thing. I'm here for the villain. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the first one, they had a great villain. Mm-hmm. They had whatever, Golmer Pyle or whatever from Full Metal Jacket in there. Enough for you. And, um, you know, the second one had a pretty weak villain. And I don't think it was her fault. I think it was written weak. Um, yeah you know she got shafted yeah and this one you know jermaine he's a great villain an awesome villain new zealand really um that accent just leans itself to being a great villain and what happened to his what happened to the little guy in flight of the concords you know what's he doing i think he did the music for the jason spiegel muppets movie 
That's not good. You Coco? Maybe not. He, I, oh, he did, did not I hope Coco. they didn't do the Mexican movie with the New Zealand guy. Yeah, Let's look it up. <laughs> okay, I can promise you he did not. Oh my god, he did Coco. Jermaine no. did Jermaine did, did music in Moana, which might be what you're thinking of because he's the bad did. guy in Moana. Uh so the guy's Brett McKenzie. Yeah. I feel like he did something recently. And he was the cute one too. Oh, so cute. He's the you cute just put one. Put him in your fucking pocket and kiss him. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see up to let's look at IMDB Brett McKenzie. That's gonna be the new podcast after this one. All right, you guys, you guys IMDB him. I'm gonna bring up something a little weird about the bad guy that I don't think they needed to do in this movie. So he's really pissed at Agent K for cutting his arm off. And he keeps being like, I'm going to go get my arm back. I'm going to go back in time. His other arm doesn't seem to have like special fucking powers. I mean, maybe <laughs> I missed it and it did. But it just seems like his arm. And this seems like kind of fucked up to be like. I mean, obviously, my arm got cut off. I would be sad. I'd probably miss it at times. But like his like a large part of his motivation is wanting his arm back. And it's just like, you know, there are people every day who live without their arms. I think it's more of a representation of the 40 years he lost in prison, just stewing and knowing that agent K is the one that did it. That's great. It's very ableist though. Like, I don't think that should have been like such a large portion of his motivation or like, Make it his motivation, but make it be like, that's my arm that can, I don't know, like force choke someone. Like, you know, like that arm had like special capabilities that you're like, oh, that makes sense. I'm trying to interpret like, is that the joke where it's just like, wow, that's such like, um, not a petty thing, but it's such like a weird thing to be that obsessed over. What's the famous Keanu Reeves uh, movies where he just wants his dog? Oh, Oh, John Wick. Yeah, so maybe it's like a John Wick thing. I know, but it's it it was 2012. <laughs> right. I think we knew a little can, bit better. Can we go into some pop culture territory here? Matthew Perry? Do you hear what he said about Keanu Reeves? Keanu okay. Reeves so much. Did you hear what he said about him? That variety article is in the headline. <laughs> it's from it. his book. Matthew, what he, it was something it's along the lines of... Why is like River Heath Phoenix Ledger. dead? Heath Ledger. But Keanu Reeves is still kicking? Yeah, everybody loves him. Everybody loves Keanu Reeves. He, yeah, what's he, his miss, he, he took miss another re- jab at him... In it too. Well, somebody pointed. This is what some people theorize here, because Matthew Perry's been dealing with what alcohol and drug abuse. Yeah, had to spend eight million fucking dollars to get clean. Yeah, which does not bode well to any poor people that are addicted to anything. Sorry, just you know, <laughs> Matthew Perry can get fixed. Um, but uh, they're saying that he might just be so out of the the pop culture understanding of what we're of what humanity is talking about, that he was just pulling a name out of his ass that he's just like, Oh, this is like a no name. Nobody gives a shit about actor from whatever. Like, why is this guy still around? But in reality, people like adore Keanu Reeves. I'm you think like he'd have a good well, I guess he does have a good editor because they're like, yeah, yeah, we keep that. Actually mentioned it a couple of times in interviews, (laughs) but Yeah, I don't um, know. 
Somebody I do give a shout out to is famous effects and makeup creator Rick Baker worked on this film. He worked on the first one, possibly the second one. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but he's famous for American Werewolf in London, creating the effects for that. The famous. Did he uh, create the small dick that's in the background? What? In American Werewolf in London? Oh, no. What's the You're other one? Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. Really? <laughs> so, like, Are those no. shot the same who's caliber she, movie? Who's she coming after? <laughs> All right. Bringing it back to Will Smith, though, can I say Will Smith was kind of people were saying it without saying it. He was a bossy little bitch on this side. He was doing the Tom Cruise thing where he was going line by line and everything needed Will Smith approval in order to move forward in wow. this movie. He was ta- he's at the point where he's taking. But I'm just saying he's at the point now in his career where he's taking full control of everything. He's got a two million dollar trailer that's sitting in the, the middle of uh, Soho in New York City. They are getting all the rich people pissed off that it's there. It's got granite floors and it's massive. He's got a second trailer with just workout equipment. That's there. fucking great. I'm just saying this is like Will Smith. He's making a shitty movie or a low grade movie compared to stuff he's made in the past, but he's at full power right now. Um, I mean, we should get into it a little bit because yeah, you're right. Like he's got a great trailer, all that stuff, but it's a little weird because this is a guy who was making music making TV shows, making minimum a movie a year and not just like a movie making like blockbuster bangers. I think he had like eight July's in a row where he was like the number one movie in July. Like he was like Mr. July. He took a four year hiatus. He produced two movies in that time. And like in 2008, he produced like four movies. So obviously, you know, coming into men in black three, he probably feels like a little bit more, able to be like at the helm you know having all like those producer credits but it is like this is what got you this is your return this is your to the and screen then, and then we'll get into it because the movie after this is his biggest failure today, which one is it after Earth. oh hell yeah but Dude, it's his biggest really failure next movie holy yeah. shit and it's his biggest failure so i mean it is very odd that he took like a four year break in there. You know what I mean? Is there rumors as to why? Listen, was that the Jaden years though? Like getting this, his career. So up he up? took his like agency said he's taking like a hiatus because uh, Jada was in some like TNT show, Hawthorns. You don't know what that is? Great. Me either. No. <laughs> and then um, Jaden was in Karate Kid like being filmed in China. So they're like, Will's taking time off to like be with the family, which is like, that's totally respectable. Probably like, you know, if someone's filming, I feel like a lot of uh, married actors do that. Like you go make a movie. Now you stay home. You go make a movie. But 2013 is definitely when him and Jada are in like high gear of having to deny that they are in an open marriage. And then 2015 is definitely most likely when she started having an affair that came out in 2020. But is it an, if they're having an open marriage, is it an affair? Whatever their situation is, reconfiguring their marriage. Because, you know, 
2020 and on, they start saying things like that they don't view each other as like in a marriage anymore. They're life partners. And like, no matter what the other one does, like they're going to rock with each other. So like they like pivoted how they do life together. And like, if they don't want to call that an open marriage, that's fine. But obviously she admitted that at some point they separated and she was in like another relationship. So I'm just saying, I wonder if that 2008, 2012 time, and this is like pure speculation. So sorry, Will Smith, but I could see if you're making a movie a fucking year, two movies a year, that's a grind. And it probably takes a toll on your marriage. And Jade is probably like, I would like to go work on some stuff. Our kids have shit going on. And I just wonder if, you know, family time means AKA like we got to work on our situation at home. And maybe that's when they started realizing like our marriage needs to be a little something different. All right, here's my question to both of you. Will Smith being who he is, the charisma, how attractive he is, right? How in shape he is and how oh, rich he is, he is and how, how rich he is. He was in shape. (laughs) (laughs) Does he have the most valuable penis on the planet? No. What? Okay. Who is the most valuable penis on the planet? Wasn't there that guy whose penis went down to his shoe or whatever? But that's not value. He was in Um, constant agony. I bet you Ron Jeremy's penis is insured for quite a lot. He could suck his own dick. I'm just saying, if we're going value wise, I'm sure his penis is insured for a hefty amount. Not anymore. That That dude's in fucking jail or wherever he is. Yeah, for rape. Oh, wow. Color me fucking surprised. (laughs) No, but I think he's the most, like, you want to keep that penis around. You want to, speaking of grind, you want to grind that penis, you know? Because I get that, like, there's more, there's richer people. Yeah. But they they're not as attractive, and they like wouldn't be as oh, yeah, nice to have sex handsome. with them. Yeah, so he's got the handsome and the. I'm gonna say this, Ryan Reynolds. No, oh, Ryan Gosling. Now that's a fucking cop. Toby Maguire. Um, These are just people you no. want to have sex with. Yeah, you wait, but you never seen Ryan Gosling's dick, have you? You he's can look at him guy. and know that he's, he's got a nice penis. You think so? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Circumcised or not. <laughs> I, I have a question for you guys about that's great question. to get away from this fucking <laughs> conversation. Uh, do you think they don't know what to do with Tommy Lee Jones after the first movie? No, here's, yeah. here's what I was thinking, because in the second movie, they don't know what the fuck to do with him. They have to bring him back. And it was just like odd, right? Because he's so perfect in the first one. He's the, you know, he's the hard ass compared to the young. And bringing him back was kind of depressing. Right. Where like he leaves to go be with the woman he's been pining for forever. And then he comes back just being like, "Eh, it didn't work out. Yeah. And he doesn't seem as good in the second one because they're trying to figure out what to do with him. And it's, it's not gelling. And then this one, they get rid of his ass and I didn't do too much research. So I don't know if Tommy Jones is working on something else or they only had five weeks with him. They said, so, so they only had time for those, the beginning and the end, but at the same time, the premise is too juicy where it's like, well, if you go back in time and meet young Tommy Lee Jones. So I get that maybe the premise trumps like having him in it, but it still feels like they don't know what to do with this character, which I think is a shame because 
Will Smith and Tommy Jones have such fucking good chemistry and you yeah. want to see them together throughout the entire movie. Do you just, just to be ageist, do you feel like it's just like Tommy Lee Jones is old? Could be. So they're like, this is like kind of like an action-y movie. We just like don't know how to like work them in. Like Tommy Lee Jones is not going to fucking climb up a space shuttle. Right, 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 right. So I don't, like, I don't know if just like, they're literally like, okay, like the physical limitations in what is supposed to be like an action comedy. But it does suck because I think what makes the first one work so well is that Tommy Lee Will Smith banter. I think they're so good together. Yeah, they're good in this too. There's like so many good jokes about um the pie, drinking coffee. <laughs> Dude, and honestly, he's right. Don't ask questions that you don't want answers to. Yeah. He's right. Um, I'm just so glad we don't have to watch the new Men in Black. I'm so happy about that. We got my girl in there, though. You know, I feel like this is like, a, a, I think this is a problem, generally speaking, where I think it's just very hard to do sequels. Yeah. And I think it's really hard when you start hitting like the three and the four of something. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and so I feel like, you know, men in black just suffering that same fate where you can't, you can't recapture the magic sometimes. And like, but if this popped up on TV, I don't think I'd turn it off. Well, it's why they, they do soft reboots now where I, this, the new men in black was not a soft reboot, right? Like, it's not like Tommy Lee Jones had a cameo in there. No. It was just legit new, right? It was. We're redoing. What's her name? Tessa Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, girl. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, my girl, Tessa. Which also, like, I think is bad. What? Because nobody wants to see Men in Black if it doesn't have Tommy Lee Jones and Will Well, that's Smith. what I'm saying. Like, you know, Star Wars had the three original in there when they rebooted it. So good. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Like I literally have it marked in here that like at an hour mark, it's just like, okay, this needs to start picking up now. I f- Where was it at an hour? Do you remember? Was it the Andy Warhol stuff? Mm, it was right after the bowling alley and they had oh, to the find um, yeah. Griffin who was like a unicorn alien. And he's the one who he, has like the production system. I think during the middle of the movie, I was going, I need, I need to see some Jermaine. Like they, he yeah. drops off for a little bit. He drops off for like 20 minutes of the film where you're like, cause they replace he? him with the alien that can see all possibilities for a quick second where you're like with him. Yeah. More than yeah, you're that, with the baseball Jermaine. sequence. That was kind of cool where he's like showing the baseball game. And here's my like, only problem now. So, I don't know if it was just that alien that could see all possibilities or his entire race mm. that was killed. But then, like, why the fuck couldn't they figure out how to not all become extinct? Hmm. They can see all timelines. They couldn't find one timeline where they made it. I, because I don't think they control timelines. They can but just he does. Because when they go to Cape Canaveral, Will Smith's dad is just like, arrest these guys. And he's just like, no. And he shows him. Like, you mm-hmm. remember, he like shows him the time. And that's when he's just like, okay, fuck. 
I'm here to help you. Let's maybe do that's this. What happens in that timeline? But but he's always going like, I wonder if it's this timeline or I wonder if it's that timeline. Because he's in all the timeline. I don't know. It's yeah. see that's that's the stuff that gets confusing. Yeah. Where like it's just I almost I liked that character a lot. If I'm honest, yeah. but also maybe I just didn't need him because then it left me with like that question. You know what I mean? So that actor, which fuck, why don't I have him up right now? Michael something. I, I forget exactly his name, but. I heard Barry Sonnenfeld in an interview was saying, and this is an interview that came out in 2012 for this fucking movie. So I remember it. It was so distinct from all the way back then when he hired him. He's like, I need someone to speak super, super fast. They are seeing infinite possibilities all time. And they just need to constantly railing off. And I guess this actor wasn't speaking fast enough for him where he had to pull him aside and be like, dude, you're, why are you taking so long with the dialogue? You got to fucking speak faster. Like this is not fast enough for me. And I forget, of course, I'm telling this story. I don't even know the fucking punchline in it or whatever, but there was something, some trick Barry and Seinfeld did where it's just like, this is the way I'm going to get him to speak faster. And it worked and the actor started doing it, but it took like a long time to get him there. I'm surprised the actor just didn't like get it. Like, Oh, okay. I'm going to speak really, really fast. What was the trick? That ah, fuck. Why am I even telling the story? I don't even know what the what the God answer. Damn. But he I got him really to speak, really mean. Got I, him to faster. I kind of liked it. So I was listening to another podcast. I hate to. This is a slight sore subject, and I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, in front of Lily. What? Because oh, I know you're gonna talk about. Well, it. I mean. I was, Listen, I, I have no right to be salty about this, and I don't know why I am. I'm just like the queen of FOMO, even when it's something I don't want. I stayed up late one night until like two in the morning and watched Barbarian. Oh, and- dude. We need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. I would have uh, gladly watched it with Lily, but Lily's not a big horror movie person. Mm-hmm. And you just really didn't want to watch it. I mean, you didn't have like... I wasn't begging you to watch it, but it's not like you were showing an interest to watch it. So I was just like, okay, I'll just watch it at night. Either way, I listened to an interview with the director. He's the guy from like Whitest Kids You Know. Yeah, the Whitest Kids You Know. Comedy troupe. Yeah. Yeah. And he was saying he's because he did did like sitcom acting and, you know, like some small movies and stuff. But he was like, this is like kind of his first directorial thing, like Barbarian um, doing this. And he's like, what I've learned as an actor is the worst thing directors do is when they come up to you and they're like, remember, like you're you're not hitting your lines right. And they're like, remember, you know, think of in your past when somebody passed away and and you just hold on to that memory and really hold on to that and 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 maybe that will reach the emotional peak that we need. He's like, what I've learned as a director is kind of what you're saying what happened in this movie. It's, it's just I just go talk faster. Right. And just give like people like these blunt Hey, talk louder. Okay, I need you to have more energy. And he's like, that's just how I direct. I just tell them the basic thing that I need out of them and don't tell them any emotional thing that they need to hold on to and just go or just talk slower or talk quieter. And that's how he's directed the whole movie Barbarian. Which, dude, I think that's smart because at the end of the day, you're hiring actors because they're going to bring all that baggage with them, right? They're going to bring the backstories. They're going to do the homework. So like, if you start fucking with their process and being like, think of that memory and hold on to and say the line, well, maybe they already had like an idea of what to do. And now you're kind of like 
getting in the way of their process, like the same way you wouldn't want them telling you what the fuck to do. Like, like this needs to be more emotional, how you film it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, like not giving them an actual direction. Yeah. Like hold on to this memory as we're like, that's not something tangible. They can like do something with. I think all that talk can be totally done pre-production. I think there's nothing wrong with sitting down with an actor and being super pretentious and getting all that homework out of the way. Mm -hmm. But on set, I think that can sometimes lead to like spiraling where you're just like, let's get in your head about it. You have to think about who's dying. Um, But I will say the acting and barbarians fucking phenomenal. And so like, I guess his directions work because everyone's really, really great in it. You know, I feel like my um, problem with Mark watching Barbarian <laughs> was one, he is always bitching like, oh, I have to stay up so late for work. And then I get up with the kids and it's like, and so then you just did a later. What the fuck? Two, I think my um, my contention end up also coming when it sounds like it wasn't that scary. Oh, we should watch it. We should like, 100% you know I mean? watch like, it. It wasn't night. that scary. So you're like, just talking me like, I was so happy to watch this movie and it would have been one that you could handle. It's just like, but you don't know that fine. until you go into it. I, know, I don't know. Right? It's pretty, it's kind of intense in some you, no, you'll, like, you'll be fine. We've watched like uh, Hill House and stuff. And I feel like that to me, that freaks me out more than this did. Yeah. Okay. This is or like Mark knows like that. I can probably never watch Hereditary because like he oh, watched no. it and he yeah. was just like, Lily, you couldn't handle this. Like it right. fucked you up. Too much. Like, it honestly, fucked me up still to this day. Like, honestly, um, what's that Natalie Portman one? Black Story? Annihilation. Oh, Annihilation. That, that one? Yeah, that Holy ending shit. like honestly kind of like <laughs> It sits with me a little too heavy. There are like, yeah, that that alien like suffocating her okay, at the end. Okay, what superhero one you watched recently? Oh, I kind of wish I wasn't around for that one. That was an intense movie. That oh, was yeah, yeah. You awesome. guys told me about that one. Yeah, you got to watch that. That was intense. But yeah, like that scene from Annihilation where the aliens like like dance suffocating her. And then in Hereditary, when when old Melonhead gets her fucking head knocked off her body is the, those are going to stick with me until the grave. Like, I can't. Stop and, like, I feel like Eric was so cryptic when he talked about Barbarian that it gave me that spooky feeling where it's like I don't want to watch that. I I was expecting a big twist in Barbarian, and you get some a little bit, but it's like about the same as any other horror movie. I think it was just marketed weirdly because I think it was marketed in a way where people were expecting something way different. Am I wrong with that? Because it's like not like this movie is a massive twist. You know what it feels like to me? Catfish. Do you remember when that movie Catfish came out? And they're just like, they marketed it like it was a fucking horror movie. And it's fucking, it's not. It's basically like a documentary. And then they made literally the most like vanilla show based off of it. I think with Barbarian is the notion that, hmm. I was kind of I was pleasantly surprised the direction it starts to go to once like kind of the big thing is revealed and not that it's a game changing twist, but it's more of like, oh, good. We're not doing what the first act is maybe alluding that we're going to do. We're going. But somewhere. is that how it was promoted? The first oh, yeah, yeah. Act? Like everything in the back half of it is it's like a weird part. dudes in your Airbnb. Right, right. You're it's stuck. How it was promoted. Kind of like a strange dude. And you don't know if he's going to do okay. something or not. 
That's I was expecting cool. just like a huge twist. I I still liked it. There, but to me, there wasn't it, like a massive. I mean, twist. there. I mean, it's a massive twist. Just like Justin Long's character and the way he acts it. Just no, for the way I you think explain it's it what's to in me. The house. Oh. I, I like mean, look, it's like on fucking way. HBO, so yeah, we haven't don't watched it yet. Don't spoil what it. do you mean? There's just okay. Don't <laughs> do not spoil it here. That is so fucking rude. It admit just, it. Uh, admit it. Seventy three <laughs> of a Men in Black three podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna wreck the world here. <laughs> Shows on HBO. All right, we got to wrap this up. Um, we got After Earth coming up, right? Yeah. 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 I'm. I. That's M Night, right? Yeah, which that's why I'm excited to talk about it because I feel like we can really go on a segue about just M Night and maybe don't really have to talk about the movie that much. Oh, great. Okay, here's my problem though. I feel like we didn't do this as much with Tom and just kind of making me like wonder a little bit about the choices that Will Smith is making where like he has like a, for- a formula to success where like he sat down like with his people and was just like at the beginning of his career was just like, we're looking at all like the biggest movie, the classic movies. What do they have in common? So what movies do I need to make in what kind of fucking order to be a colossal superstar? And all of his movies, they're good and he's good in them. But I'm just wondering if like it's so formulaic that it's almost boring us a little bit. We only got a minute left. I'm going to say this is my theory. We talked about it before. Tom is older. So we got more. 80s movies and 90s movies mm. whereas with will smith we're getting into the territory of all people give a shit about his ip and that you know so he's getting we're, we're seeing more of that side of it we only have 10 more years left with him up until 2022 so that's dead. Crazy. Yeah. i just i just think it's funny i feel like we spent a lot of times on our podcast talking about like 20 other things instead of will smith i mean and his movie I- and his performance Tom did make lines for lambs and night and day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we had some problems there. An American made. <laughs> I just All feel right. like it happened less frequently. All right, yeah. we got to go after Earth next. Okay, bye. bye. See you.